Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome back to another great episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm your host, Mike Freeman. With us today is Patrick Bartling of Ultra Tech Pipe. You can find out more about Patrick and his company at ultratechpipe.com. Patrick, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm the president of uh, Ultra Tech Pipe. Um, what we do is we produce a proprietary um, abrasive resistant pipe. Uh, what's unique about it is it's uh, abrasive on the internal diameter of the pipe, and then it um, is uh, softer as it migrates to the outside wall. So it's uh, not a through-hardened product, uh, and what it allows it to be is a product that's very very suited for slurry ap- abrasive slurry applications, uh, yet it's malleable and ductile in the field. So our big uh, our big sectors that we serve are uh, mining applications, gold, copper, bauxite. Um, and then we also do a, a lot in the pulp and paper industry, as well as in dredging. Uh, and then uh, we're just starting to emerge into the oil and gas field also. Excellent. So it's kind of been a turbulent year for metals and commodities. Uh, what challenges have you faced um, getting your product out there into the the field. Sure. Um, I think like everyone else, uh, you're absolutely right. The The overall supply chain interruptions, whether it be uh, steel or whether it be um, cast parts, forge parts, uh, what we do is we, uh, we buy pipe uh, from all the large uh, pipe manufacturers, uh, guys like Arcelor and uh, other people. And um, and then we do our magic with induction hardening. Um, the challenges have been, of course, um, much of our pipe fortunately does come from the United States where our main facilities are, but we also have facilities in Germany. Um, and you know we've been reasonably fortunate in that regard, but there is a fair amount of our pipe that also comes from overseas. And so we've seen a you know a, a challenge not only in in the increase in steel prices, which then kind of drag through into castings and forgings also but just the but just the length of the lead times so lead times that were uh, in some cases a month or two uh, have now you know rapidly migrated out to as high as six months and also the unpredictability of it so and then we see it on the other side also when we produce a product then we have to ship it uh globally we're really challenged with uh getting logistics providers in to, you know, take the product out to the market. Some cases they're, we're short um, 
cargo containers. So we, you know, we wait quite a while to get those both 20 and 40 foot containers. So it's been, a, it's been a challenging year. Um, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, I think people, uh, a lot of industries kind of tailed down during the pandemic and their, their return wasn't probably as, um, as successful as they would have hoped. And, uh, you know, we're all, we're all dealing with, um, some of the labor challenges too of, of employees being out and things like that. Yeah. Uh, the show is manufacturing supply chain CEOs and a lot of other presidents and CEOs that we speak with like yourself. Uh, they say some of the biggest issues, uh, especially in the last year, personnel, uh, some of it is execution as well as supply chain. Um, what would you say is the biggest that you've had to deal with? I think challenges around personnel, you know, what I call the human capital side of the business is, yeah. is challenging for everyone. I mean, um, you know, specifically for us, we deal with um, the need for CNC machinists. We uh, need for welders, you know, very skilled welders and very unique welders. Um, so finding those kind of people um, is difficult. Uh, there's, you know, a, a reasonably low unemployment rate for those skills and um, lots of lots of competition out there to not only attract but retain employees. Right. And then and then really the logistics side, both the incoming logistics as well as the the outbound logistics has been um, a real challenge. You know, I think in general, there's a shortage of, of uh, CDL drivers. So when you when you go to call for a flatbed truck, it, it isn't as automatic as it used to be, say, a year or two ago. Uh, and the same can be even true for, um, you know, for LTL. Uh, I think the other thing, too, the reality, and I don't think any of us really appreciated it, but the amount of freight that went into the system as people, you know, bought groceries and uh, consumables online and then had to be delivered by logistics carriers, you know, people like FedEx and UPS and others, um, you know, you you in, you put an enormous strain on a system that was already probably a bit fragile. Um, and I don't think any, you know, especially in the industry, we don't think like that. And so what happened was a lot of that um, available capacity was eaten up just because of uh, the change in buying behaviors of consumers. Um, right. So it's a, it was a, it was kind of a rude awakening. And I think the other thing that we all realized was how global the supply chain be, has become. So stuff that we consume every day in the United States, we don't appreciate that it's, you know, that's coming in from all over the world. Sure. And the whole, the whole system was rather interrupted. Yeah, that's for sure. To say the least. Um, and you guys, you manufacture in Wisconsin? We do. We manufacture in Wisconsin. We manufacture in Germany. Uh, and then, of course, we have, uh, you know, a, quite a few suppliers uh, for various items uh, all over the world. So you know, we're bringing in product from uh, from Europe, uh, China, India uh, and, and, and some other locations. And so our, our supply chain is um, is very global. And of course, that that's just talking about level one. When you drop down a level and look at where our suppliers get their supplies from, sure. uh, that, that that becomes even more global. And I would imagine uh, being centrally located, Wisconsin, kind of the center of 
the country. Um, you know, you're shipping to ports in New York, New Jersey, Seattle. Yeah, we uh, we ship basically both ways and then south too. So a, a, a fair amount of our stuff that leaves the country leaves out of the port of Houston. Okay. Uh, we do have uh, distribution centers kind of around the United States. So some of our stuff uh, leaves out uh, uh, port of Long Beach uh, and then also the eastern ports uh, as well as up into Canada. So we, you know, we ship out of Norfolk, bring stuff in through at Norfolk, New York, uh, ship out of uh, the port of Montreal, and Quebec, uh, uh, Vancouver is another primary area of both incoming and outgoing for us. And then, as I mentioned, uh, Long Beach and um, uh, Port of Houston is also a, a very large uh, incoming and outgoing port for us. And then, of course, all of the over-the-road um, transportation that goes on. So we've, you know, we engage with uh, a number of national carriers on you know on full truck loads and then we obviously use all of the ups's and the fedexes and and, and dhl and other people like that for less than truck loads and, and smaller loads parcel loads sure so logistics is uh, a huge part of uh what your company does yeah it really is and it's interesting in that regard too that uh you know, sometimes the customers want us to handle the logistics and sometimes they want to handle the logistics. Uh, and, and in reality, uh, I think a few years ago, having customers handle their own logistics was a bit more practical, but they too have found out that, uh, you know, if you want something to leave on a Friday and it's got a flatbed, you need to be calling as early as a Monday to make sure you can get a flatbed in. Sure. Um, so just the time and effort that you spend on arranging for logistics uh, has changed dramatically. Um, and really, um, I don't see, uh, you know, I think people all discuss or debate whether things will improve dramatically after we, we get that pandemic under control a bit more. Right. I, I actually don't know if it is going to change dramatically. And the reason for that is, is I think we've seen a, a different change in work-life um, balance where more people are going to be working from home. And so consequently, the the continuation of um, lots of things being ordered through guys like Amazon and, and others. Um, and you're going to, you're going to, you know, affect um, the ability of logistics companies to provide because their, their whole model has changed somewhat. So um I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to live with the reality that we see even today in, in logistics side of things. Now, lots and lots of people are working on, you know, increasing the capacity of ports as well as the number of forty and twenty foot containers out there and things like that. So, I think it's a well studied field, um, and I do think people understand um, where changes have to be made, but they're but they're not done overnight, obviously. Sure. And the cost, of course, is uh, is goes up with it also. So you know the cost right. of fuel has risen. Uh, even the even the um, wooden pallets. I mean, the, the cost of wood has gone up dramatically in the last you know six months, eight months, and so um, you know the cost of a standard pallet has almost doubled, I believe. And I know um, I know containers. I, we just got a container. We used to pay about six thousand dollars for a forty-foot container coming out of um, Europe, and we just got noticed that that's now going to be eight to nine thousand dollars. So, wow. 
radical increase uh, in in the in the cost side of things. Yeah, and like uh, most companies, like yourself, and, and really most companies in general, just need to learn how to adapt, and uh, otherwise they're they're not going to succeed. Um, this company was started in 1989. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Patrick? Your background and how you how you got into this business? Sure. I spent uh, I spent most of my career with very large multinational companies. So I worked for uh, Philips Electronics for a number of years, uh, which was uh, you know a, a European based company. But I was all over the world with them. Um, also worked for Joy Global, which is a very large capital equipment manufacturing company that was based in in Milwaukee. Um, and we made large mining equipment, uh, uh, electric mining shovels, excavators, uh, uh, Rory Brett, uh, blast drills, things like that. So my, my career has been kind of split between companies in automotive and in high volume electronics and in capital equipment. Um, as I mentioned, I spent most of my career with these large public multinational global uh, companies responsible for global operations. So uh, you know, as much as at one point I had 26 different manufacturing facilities around the world when I was at Philips, as well as a number of distribution centers. And then I, then I migrated into, um, as I kind of entered toward the back end of my career, I got involved with uh, smaller family-owned businesses. And then, um, and then most recently in the last, say, three, uh, four years, I've, I've been very actively involved with uh, private equity owned um, uh, firms. And that's, that's really what I do today. So. Awesome. Um, I know we spoke, uh, we touched on logistics and supply chain. Uh, what are some of the biggest threats and obstacles that you can foresee for your industry, maybe heading into 2022 or in the future? Yeah, for us, uh, steel is a is a significant um, purchased item for us, and uh, you know, in most cases, we like to try to buy steel as close to our factories as we possibly can. So we've we've always been rather focused on steel out of North America specifically, and even better out of the central portion of North America. Sure. Um, the amount of demand for steel right now is vastly outstripping the the supply base okay. so um not only is the cost gone up but the needed capacity to support the demand is not there so now there is there is additional um capacity i think coming on within the next say year or so but it's going to be a, it's going to be a very tight situation i think for the remainder of 2021 and into 2022 um we buy some unique chemistries also, which makes uh, our available supply base a little bit limited. So that's another factor we deal with. I think the other, I think the other challenge that most industrial firms have realized is um, when you look at supply chain professionals, I think I don't think we appreciated how integral they were to the the overall manufacturing process. So when you when you think of purchasing and you think of planning people and you think of logistics and and even trade compliance people, um, it's it's a very important function that has gained lots or a great deal of visibility now. And there aren't 
there really aren't as many supply chain professionals as you would hope out there, uh, especially ones that have relevant experience. So uh, I think there's a, there's going to be a shortage, at least for some period of time, for those for that general um, grouping of people. Um, and so when I think just about everybody that's in, in the industrial sector, if you go to their um, employment page, you're going to find they're looking for supply chain people whether it's planners or buyers or purchasing people or uh, trade compliance or whatever it may be. So it's um, like, like everything else, there's more demand than there is supply in that field. Right. Um, it's, we talk with a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs like yourself uh, for some of our listeners that uh, our audience, they listen to the episodes, but um is there anything you can tell to our listeners uh, your success, what you've had, um, how they can, you know, where you went from point A to point B, and with the issues you've just described, you know, the shortage of people and personnel that understand the supply chain? Is there anything you can uh, stress maybe to some of our listeners? Yeah, I think especially, uh, you know, for for younger people that are just starting out in the industry. Um, I would tell you that I learned over my career, I learned an enormous amount because I was able to get a lot of international exposure. So I not only was able to um, work for large multinational companies, but I did a lot of a lot of work outside of North America, which allowed me to get an appreciation for the, the you know, the global nature and capacity of other of other countries. Yeah. So I think that's been significantly important for my own career development. I, and I think it is for, I think it is for all, many people that are entering into the, the business world today. Um, you know, it is, it, it's, it's, it's very much a global economy now and having an understanding of that is, is beneficial. Um, you know, I think if, if there's a, a career area that continues to be short of people that's supply chain in general. So, you know, there's been a lot of development done in the university system around um, supply chain programs and even, even master's degrees in supply chain now has become uh, a bit more prevalent than it was say four or five years ago. And those people, those people, especially at the master's degree level are, are very, very, highly um highly touted and draw a lot of attention because that's another step above um just just your normal uh, bachelor's degree and and they, and like i say they're they're in incredibly great demand um and then i mean if you look around and you look at some of the largest comps companies i mean amazon's all about supply chain that's what they do you know they are and even even um you know, even uh, some other companies that aren't quite as big like Uline and um, in, in all of your consumer products companies, be it Apple or be it uh, Dell or whatever, um, they're all about how do I how do I get my product out to the, the market in an equitable and cost efficient way. So uh, very, very significantly uh, wrapped around the overall supply chain model. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting that um, uh, the schooling and education involved, uh, there's a need. So anyone that's uh, listening, if you're considering or 
you know, you're dipping your toes in the water right now that there's uh, uh, plenty of information out there. There's, uh, you said, universities and um, it's very true. It's probably more difficult now, but very true. When Whenever I've traveled overseas, I always come back with a better appreciation for um, not just the global supply chain, but understanding other cultures as well. Um, you know, you really take that with you when understanding business in general. And I think the the one um, the one sector that really really jumps out at you is the the retail sector. I mean, um, sure. You know, we many of us sort of grew up with the concept that if you wanted to go buy something, you went to a department store, you went to a grocery store or whatever, and you you figured out what you wanted to buy and you bought it there. But I mean, with the advent of the pandemic, um, you know, that whole buying um, process has changed irrevocably, I believe. I mean, people now don't really, I mean, they may, they may go to a Best Buy to look at a look at something, but they may go home and then <clears throat> buy it online. Right. So the amount of traffic in in large department stores is is probably never going to be what it was. Uh, large department stores are going to change their footprint. Um, I mean, it's just a it's a, a complete reversal from what I would call classic or or traditional uh, buying patterns in retail. I mean, that probably will never return to what it was a few years ago. And so with that, with that becomes then the, the advent of how important a, 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 a supply chain will be to the, to the retail world, you know? Sure. Yeah. There'll, there'll be a pivot for sure. Um, can you get into a little bit more about some of the mining applications you guys are currently working on? Yeah, we do a lot in gold and, and copper uh, bauxite, as I mentioned, um, and then phosphate too is an, another very large. And what we do is we provide, um, typically in gold, um, we provide borehole applications, which is a, which is, a, is a, an advanced piping system that allows slurry to be moved above ground as well as below in a safe and efficient manner. And we've got some technology that we've developed, uh, especially what we call threaded borehole piping uh, that no one else offers. Uh, so that's a big market for us. And then we do a lot of applications in tailing lines. You know, so a tailing line coming off, say, a bauxite uh, affluent um, processing location can be can be as long as you know 20, 30, 40 kilometers. So you can imagine the amount of pipe. Obviously, if you're going to put in that much pipe, you want it to not have to be, require change out every year. You want it to last for you know more than uh, a soft pipe gives you and so that's where we play in the market we provide a product that uh reduces the maintenance cost by you know probably half um a little more expensive at the front end but from a total cost of ownership model significantly cheaper so we you know we and we we provide this product globally so we do a lot of work obviously in north america and the mining areas out west uh you know in nevada and in arizona uh, lots in Mexico, a lot in South America, especially in the copper fields of Chile and Peru. Um, and then we do a lot in um, Australia also, Australia being a very large mining sector. And then sure. and then places all over the Pacific, you know, uh, Papua New Guinea and Indonesia and, and places like that. And then, um, you know, quite a, quite a fair amount of um, 
um, applications in, in, especially in Northern Europe, uh, Sweden, Finland, Norway, and then into uh, Russia, which is also a very large uh, mining, mining area. Excellent. Well, Patrick, can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about yourself in Ultra Tech Pipe? Sure. So our, our um, website, as you mentioned, is ultratechpipe.com. And you can, you can go there. You can also find us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, uh, just my name, Patrick and Bartling. And uh, you can look up my LinkedIn profile there. Um, and then if you, if you want to reach out to, uh, to me, what you can do is you can uh, go to my web or go to my web address and that's pat.bartling at conforms.com. So Conforms is the overall company. Um, and, um, and my contact information is also on my LinkedIn uh, profile. So you can reach out through those media. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, but please feel free to you know, send me an email either at, at the work or, or, or reach me through LinkedIn. Awesome. Our guest today, Patrick Bartling, president of Ultra Tech Pipe. Uh, some pretty cool videos on the website as well. So go there and check them out. Again, that's ultratechpipe.com. Uh, Patrick, we very much appreciate your time today. And to everyone listening out there, thank you for tuning in. And we will catch you on another episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger. Uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.